Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. It was a big week for my family this week because my daughter turned five. And, and she has been talking about her birthday for about the last 12 months. And in fact, as soon as the last one ended, she started talking about the next one. And it, back in January, I said I would say things to her like, hey, Eliana, you know what I've been thinking? And she's like, is it about my birthday? And I said, no, it's, it's January. Your birthday is in August. Like, why would I be thinking about that? She's thinking about it. She's just projecting, you know. And so, you know, she, she had her fifth birthday. And I was thinking just about, you know, that, that time when she was born. It's not hard to think back to, to when that was just, you know, five years ago. And uh, I remember that night, you know, pretty well. Uh, my wife came and she said to me, I think... I'm going to have this baby. And if you haven't been through this, through this experience before, it, it often sounds like that. I think this is going to happen. Uh, I'm not sure if it is going to happen, but we think that it might happen and we didn't know. So I, I called my parents and I said, you're going to have to take the kids because we think something's going to happen, but we don't really know. And so if it does, we'll let you know. And whenever it happens, uh, we'll just call you and you can bring the kids in, you know. And that's the best that you can plan a baby being born. I wish that you could just set your watch and I wish it could be like at 7.02, this baby's going to come and then we're going to stop by, get a coffee on the way and, and just cruise in and, and it's going to be all relaxed. But, but that doesn't really happen with babies. You can't just schedule a baby if you, if you do it naturally. You can go see the doctors, but it's hard to just schedule a baby normally. They just happen when they happen. And this is what I've discovered, that life is full of these moments that just happen when they happen. You can't plan them. You can't schedule. There's thousands of these moments that happen all the time. You're going to experience them all the time. And, and the ancient Greeks, they had two words for things that just happened. They actually had two words for time. And the first word they used for time was chronos time. Chronos time is your watch. So you check your watch and you say, you know, at nine o'clock tonight, I'm going to be out having dinner. And so you know what's going to happen. And, and, and then they had another word called kairos. And the word kairos was an appointed time. Like, like it was a, a time of opportunity or an opportune time. It's almost like a divinely inspired moment that happened in history that you, that you can't actually pinpoint or maybe in your future, but you, you don't know exactly when it's going to happen, but they just happen. And see, babies, they don't run on Kronos time. Babies run on Kairos time. And I've discovered that God works the exact same way. It would be so great if you could just schedule your breakthrough moments, you know, with God, wouldn't that be good? If you could say, so next Thursday, oh, I can't, I'm busy. Looks like I'm having a breakthrough with God. And then I should be free around 8.30. That would be so good if you could just plan it and schedule it and you knew it was going to happen. But it doesn't work that way with God. You cannot schedule a breakthrough moment, but you can position yourself for it. And that's what I'm going to talk about tonight. I'm going to preach a message to you called push. So here's something that you probably already knew. It's something that you maybe have encountered before, which is that there have been moments in your life where you have prayed and it seems like nothing has happened. Aren't you so glad you came to church tonight? Just to, get, just to receive this kind of deep revelation. If you have a pad tonight, 
Write that down because I bet you didn't know that before. You, didn't, you heard this for the very first time. There are times when you pray and you feel like nothing is happening. John Wesley said this, prayer is where the action is. And I, I've heard those kinds of things before and I thought, yeah, I mean, I see what he's saying, but it doesn't always feel like that. It doesn't always feel like prayer is where the action is. I mean, maybe some of you are so, so much more spiritual than me. I, I don't know, but I tell you, when I wake up at 6 a.m., it, it doesn't always feel like that's where the action is. In fact, when I wake up in the morning, it's dark and it's cold outside and it's still cold in my house. And so I go into my office and I get in there and, 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 and I start to pray. But I'm going to whisper because I don't want to wake my kids up because if my kids get up, that's kind of the end of my prayer time sometimes. So I'm like, I don't want to wake them. So I just, I'm, I'm just praying. And so when I'm in my office and I'm just praying and it's just me and God, I've got to be honest, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of action happening there. It doesn't feel like that's where all the action is. But prayer, man, prayer is important. Prayer is so important. And uh, it was something that Jesus did. And he modeled it so much. And there's this great story about Jesus. Who, 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 and it gives us this um, account of this extended prayer time that Jesus had one, one, one time. And it lasted for 40 days. And in fact, Jesus had this prayer time before he started his public ministry. And so it says that what he did is that he went out into the desert where he fasted for 40 days. He fasted. And I don't know if you have imagined Jesus fasting and you think that when he did that, that, that you know, it didn't affect him because he was Jesus and everything was okay. But I tell you something, Jesus had a human body. And so what was happening on the outside, his human body was getting thin and weakened. I mean, you imagine just not eating for 40 days, there wouldn't be much left of you. You'd be skinny, you know. And, and so you may not picture that, but I think it's important to know that because it also says that when Jesus returned from his time of fasting, he returned in the power of the Spirit. Now that's important because sometimes, and I want you to see this, that spiritually things are happening that you can't physically see. See, just because you can't see it doesn't mean that anything isn't necessarily happening. And when you read this account of Jesus fasting in the desert for 40 days, He comes back and, and, and He's skinny, but He returns in the power of the Spirit and during that time, the devil had gone on this, you know, uh, had this time of temptation for Jesus and tried to tempt him to leave his calling by doing all the things that the devil would encourage him to do. And at the end of that time, he didn't, he wasn't tempted by any of that stuff. And at the end of that time, Jesus walks out of the desert and it says something there. It says that the devil left him until there was an opportune time. We always talk about God having an opportune time with us. We always talk about God looking for these moments that He'll act and move in our life. When, if you've heard the word kairos before, we often talk about it being a God-related thing. Well, you know, if you read the original language, those, those three words at the end of that passage that talks about the devil waiting for an opportune time, those three words are the one word in the original language called kairos. And my point is this, is that the devil will also look for opportune times to come to you too. The devil will look for the right moment. I don't know if you know this, but, but when it comes to spiritual warfare, the, the devil isn't trying to attack you 24-7. It comes in waves. It's not constant. 
There are times where he pulls back. And you know what he's doing when he's pulling back? He's not quitting and he's not giving up. He's looking for an opportune time, the right moment. And, and, and you might not be so surprised to learn how many of these opportune Kairos moments come up when the devil's looking for them. In fact, if you've ever been in the situation where somebody has hurt you, that is an opportune time for the devil to step in and begin to do something and, and begin to speak words of discouragement and, and, and begins to put into your mind all kinds of thoughts about the person that hurt you and their intentions. And it's, he, he is so good at painting a picture in your head. It's the opportune time when you're hurting. That's the moment he's looking for so that he can begin to sow seeds in that season when you're hurting. So in the future, these things begin to grow and they disrupt your calling. That's the whole point, by the way, to get you off course if he can do it at all. If you've ever experienced some pain in your life, that is a Kairos moment for the devil. An opportune time for him to begin to step into your thought life and begin to speak to you wherever he can. You know, if you've gone through some, some experience in your life where maybe there's been a time where a, a, a leader has let you down. Maybe it was a pastor, like a youth pastor said something that was discouraging to you at, at one point and it was just this one moment and at that exact moment, the devil decided that this was all the opportunities that he needed and he stepped in and he began to discourage you and change your sense of self-worth and say to you, this is what they think of you and this is all you'll ever be. And by the way, you can't ever try leaders again. Don't ever trust another pastor. You can't listen to them. They're all the same. And so this is what happens in that opportune time. People don't realize this, but there's been seeds that have been sown by the enemy. And later on, they'll find themselves in a situation where they're just a little bit distrustful of leaders and they don't understand why. And it was because there was an opportune time and at the right moment, the devil tried to step in. If you've ever experienced the pain of rejection, right then the devil will step in. See, he, he looks for opportunities that will happen in your life so that he can begin to disrupt everything that God wants to do. And this is something that you need to know. The devil can't stop you from having a Kairos moment with God. In other words, the devil cannot stop you from having a divinely appointed moment with God. He can't stop you, so all he'll simply try to do is reposition you. And if he can reposition you by changing the way that you think and causing offense in your heart and, and distrust and, and stop you from really going to God, then it's gonna shift your position and you may not be in the right position that God wants you to be and you move out of position for your breakthrough moment. And I think Jesus knew this. I think Jesus knew this. And so one day he's teaching his disciples to pray. And this prayer is called the Lord's Prayer. We call it the Lord's Prayer, but it's not really the Lord's Prayer because if you look at the prayer, there's a lot of stuff in there that Jesus would never have had to say. For example, uh, in the Lord's Prayer, it says, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And I'm telling you right now, that part Jesus didn't have to pray because he didn't sin. 
So what he's doing is he's teaching, we should call it the disciples' prayer because he's really just showing them how to pray. Do you know the prayer I'm talking about, the Lord's Prayer? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. You know this one, yeah? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory now and forever. Amen. So that is a great prayer to pray. Amen. But, but did, you, did you know that you're not actually supposed to say those words? You do know that, right? Because if you just say the words, you're just reciting the language that's in the Bible. That thing is meant to be a template for how you pray. Should we rewind it? How does it start? Our Father. That's how I'm going to come to Him. Because He's my Father. That's the kind of relationship that we have. Hallowed be Your name. I'm, you're worthy of all of my praise, God. And I'm going to give You praise. Now, this next part is very important for you. Your kingdom come and Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, whenever you go to God and you pray, I know you've got a shopping list full of things that you need done in your life. And you go to Him and say, Lord, where do I begin? There's a lot of, we're going to cover a lot of ground today, God. You know, so you've got a whole heap of stuff that you want to say. And so that template, is there for you to understand something that's very important is that when you begin to pray you say God I got a shopping list full of stuff that we need to talk about but before we even talk about it I just want you to know it's your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven in other words I want what you want for me more than what I want for me and I just wanted to make it super clear that I'm interested in your plans before mine so I'm going to ask you for a bunch of stuff today but if there's anything that I ask you for that doesn't fit in with where you want to lead me, I want you to know that I'm still okay with it being your kingdom first. You get me tonight? So this is the way that we're supposed to pray. And you go through the rest of the prayer. Now, Jesus is teaching this to His disciples. And I think He's teaching it to His disciples because they've seen something amazing about the results that Jesus gets. Now, they've been following Him and they've been seeing Jesus do some pretty cool stuff. And I think they're looking at it and they're going, how can we get what he got? And I, and I think they figured it out. They're like, you know what? He seems to pray a lot. And they're like, well, Jesus, could you teach us how to pray? Because maybe if we pray like you pray, we can get what you get. And so he says, yeah, I'll teach you how to pray. So he gives them this template, this model, right? And then immediately after he gives them this prayer, he tells them a parable. Now, parables... Typically speaking, they have one point, not a thousand points. We're not looking for multiple layers of different points. It's one point. And it's one point that Jesus wanted to really make clear to his disciples because he knew that there would be things that they were going to struggle with. So let me read the scripture to you. It comes out of Luke chapter 11. Now, if you begin at the very beginning of chapter 11, you're going to read like a shorter version of the Lord's Prayer. You say, well, why was it longer? And it's because I have a very high word count, just generally speaking. I wanted to extrapolate it, so I made it longer. But this is like a condensed version of that longer prayer. And then it begins in verse 5, and it says this. Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. So... You read that first part and you think, so what? Who cares? What kind of crazy guy goes next door for a loaf of bread? So he had a mate come over and he didn't have anything to feed him. Why is that a big deal? Well, it's not a big deal today, but back then it really was. 
See, if somebody arrived from the desert on a long journey and they came and knocked on your door, whatever time they knocked on your door, it was culturally expected that you would get up and feed that person and look after them. And if you didn't have any bread to feed them, that is such a shameful thing to come upon your family. So maybe this would be a little bit lost on you, but for the people that were listening to this to this parable, which is Jesus' disciples, they fully got what he was talking about. They probably heard what I just said and they went, could you imagine not having bread and someone comes to your house? That would be so embarrassing. And so Jesus says his story. What would you do? And he says, well, well, you do the only thing that you could do. You'd go next door and you'd knock on the door of the person that was next, lived next to you and you'd see if they had some bread so that you weren't shamed and neither was your family. And so it says, and it continues, He will answer from within. So you've knocked on the door. There's an answer that needs to come from within. And he says, do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up to give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receive. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. So there is a gap sometimes between the prayer that you pray and the answer that you get. Again, just another great one-liner that you should write down in your notes because you didn't know that. I bet you didn't know that. There is a gap between the prayer that you pray and the answer that you get. And here's what's important to know. When there is a gap between the request and the answer, that is a space and a gap that the devil loves to step straight into while you're waiting. You're waiting on an answer from God and He hasn't answered you yet. And at that moment, the devil loves to step straight into that gap and begin to say all kinds of things into your mind. He, He loves that to happen. See, I think Jesus knew that the enemy would always come and try to attack people. He knew the disciples were going to struggle with that gap. He knew that spiritual attack would happen when that gap exists. Jesus knew that you... As followers of Him today, we're going to experience the exact same thing. And there are so many gaps that you get in life. I'm telling you right now, your life, if you don't already know this, there are going to be a number of problems that you experience in life that you cannot answer. Things that you cannot fix on your own. Listen, if you could fix all of your problems, you wouldn't need Jesus. So you are constantly going to be put in a position where you need Him and you'll still face that gap. And I've often found it to be true that these these experiences or these things that happen, they often come in categories. Sometimes you're going to have a physical things that happen in your body. And I, I pray that this never happens to you. But one day a doctor may come to you and say to you, you have contracted this. And, and, and we have found this lump. And and this is the sickness that we believe that you have. 
And we have medication for this, but we're not sure it's going to work. And right then, you're in a situation where you need God to answer that prayer. And you are going to pray. And I'm, I'm telling you right now, you may not necessarily get the answer straight away. Of course, when you don't get the answer straight away, emotionally, you, you, you can go through some tough stuff, you know, emotionally trying to process what's going on. You're going to face some emotional things that are going to happen in your life. And you'll say, God, would you just answer me? Like, let this not be a problem in my life anymore. There are many people that just struggle with their own mental health. They, they, they don't understand why they still struggle in this area, but it's a practical reality for so many people that, that they have their thought life is, is plagued with all kinds of thoughts and ideas and they struggle with thoughts, all kinds of thoughts and, and, and wrong things that the devil tries to put into their heads. And you're going to need God to do some breakthrough stuff in your life. Of course, these are just some of the, the, the natural things, but then spiritually speaking, you cannot solve every spiritual problem in your life. There is a major spiritual problem that you have in your life and the only person that, that can solve it is Jesus. And so you're gonna find yourself at many points in your life with these unscheduled, unplanned moments of opportunity that the enemy of your soul is gonna try to step into and, and begin to fill the gap. And so what happens is that you come and you, you knock. See, so if you haven't figured this out yet, the person in the story that lives next door to you that you're knocking on the door of, that's God. And so there's going to be a time at midnight where you are in need of His help and you're going to knock on the door. And then... There's an answer that will come from within, but we don't know how long you're going to wait to get that answer. See, that's how it works. You knock on the door and you give your request and then you wait. And sometimes you wait a long time. And the silence is uncomfortable because you don't know why God hasn't spoken to you about the thing that is so pressing in your life right now, but here you are and you're waiting. And if you've ever been in a situation where you have prayed to God and you desperately need Him, but you haven't directly heard from Him, that is the gap that the devil loves to step into. And he loves to fill your mind with all kinds of reasons why you're waiting. He'll try to explain it back to you. And he'll say all kinds of things to you. And maybe not him personally, you know, because he can only be in one place at one time, but maybe one of his like minions, you know, like demons that try to get at people all the time. And so they will come to you and they'll say all kinds of things. And, and I've heard these things so many times. While you're waiting for God to answer you, the things that get spoken into your mind will be like, you know, maybe the reason why you're waiting so long is because God just doesn't care. And you hear that and there's part of that that actually logically makes sense. You're like, yeah, you're right. Because I mean, if he did care, he would have answered me already, wouldn't he? That makes sense. Now all the pieces fit. The reason that I don't have an answer yet is because he cares. Because logically, I mean, if he cared, then wouldn't he just answer me? Wouldn't he just answer my prayer if he, if he did care? 
Some of you are too smart for that. So you're going to see right through that. But then he'll come back with something else. And he'll say, you know what? The real reason why you haven't had an answer to the thing that's really pressing in your life is because the truth is, God is actually not real. And it's great that you're part of church and community and all the rest of it, but the truth is, He's actually not even there. This is just something that people created to make themselves feel better. And logically, there's part of that that makes sense. You're like, yeah, you're right, because um, if He did exist, He probably would answer me. So if there's no answer, that kind of makes sense. Maybe the, the truth is, is that he's not really there. But some of you are going to figure that one out too. And if you figure that out, he's going to come back with something else. And he's going to say, maybe the reason why God hasn't actually healed you or, or, or that friend that you've been praying for, maybe the reason that God hasn't answered you is simply because he doesn't have the authority to do it. He doesn't have the power to do it. And he's going to come back with, different attacks and different thoughts and he's going to speak those things into your mind and it kind of makes sense too. I mean, logically, if God had the power to fix your problem, why would he withhold? Why would he do that? Oh, and that leads you to another logical conclusion. Maybe the problem really is, why would he withhold it? Maybe it's because God's not actually as good as you thought he was. And I've learned something about the devil. He's always trying to cast a shadow over the character of God because even if you think he is true, but you can't trust him, that's going to destroy everything that God wanted to do with you in the first place. Now, if you think that the things that I'm talking about are just simple, I'm telling you, this is the big picture stuff that happens on planet Earth. Everything that I'm talking about now is the number one reasons why people don't actually believe in God. This is why they don't believe because they go through this process. This is the heavy stuff that the devil throws at people. He will throw different things at different people depending on who they are. In fact, I don't know if you're aware of this, but the Bible says that the devil has veiled the minds of people that don't believe in Jesus. Did you know that? That spiritually, that there is a, there is a veil have you ever tried to speak to somebody about Jesus? You've been talking to them for like five years and you're like, no, he's real. And you're like, explain it. And this is what happened in my life. And you over and over and over again. And then suddenly they just get it. And you say, how did you just get it? Like we've been talking about this for a long time. And the reason they got it was not because you were really convincing, but because God removed the veil and they saw truth for the first time. And there was something about that that resonated with them. And so what we need to understand that a lot of this stuff, the reason why people don't believe, it's not just logic and reason. One of the reasons why people don't believe, there is a veil of deception that keeps people from understanding it. And if you're here today and, you say, and you're not a Christian and you say, I don't know if I believe that, point made. That's exactly my point. That's exactly what would, someone would say if they really had their mind veiled. But it's funny how the devil, I don't know if you noticed this, but it's funny how the devil will change his tactics depending on who, he, who he's speaking to. So for example, if you are not a Christian, here's what the devil will come to you and say to you. There is no such thing as sin. Uh, God is not real. You don't have to ask Jesus to come into your heart and forgive you of your sins. You can just forget this. Just live your best life. And that's what he'll say to people that don't believe in God. So he'll just reaffirm that. To the people that do believe in God and, and, and have a faith in Jesus especially, he'll use a completely different tactic. Notice how he changes. Now, if you already believe in God and he can't talk you out of it, he'll say something different. For example, sin is real. It's in your life right now. It's a serious problem. And this is why you can't come close to God. 
Do you see how he'll just change his tactic depending on who you are? And, and see, the thing that I just told you, it's the veil that Christian people wear. And so my point is, if you're not a Christian, there's a veil for you. If you are a Christian, there's a veil for you. And he will try to tweak it depending on who you are to keep you from everything that God wants to do in your life. But I want to tell you something today. The devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. Everything that he says is about misdirection. And, and, and you hear these things, and, and, and if you hear what the enemy says to you on the surface, some of those things could kind of sound like truth, but if you really look into it, you're going to see straight through it. Let me, let me help you tonight. There are literally thousands of reasons why God may not have answered the prayer that you've prayed. Literally thousands. There could be any number of reasons why God hasn't answered your prayer. Let's start with number one. Maybe the thing that you're praying for is wrong. I don't want you to go home feeling bad tonight, but you're not as smart as him. You haven't got everything figured out. You know what? Just in case you don't know I'm talking to you, turn to the person next to you and say, you don't have everything figured out. Say it right now. You don't have everything figured out. Okay, stop enjoying that so much. You don't have everything figured out. And so maybe the thing is, is that you're asking God to answer your prayers, but the request is wrong. And I'll tell you something, God's not going to answer your prayers just because you asked for it. He's actually about the best thing for your life, which means that sometimes a legitimate answer is actually no. That's one of the reasons the request is wrong. One of the reasons might be that the timing is wrong. God wants to bring breakthrough in your life, but it's just not the wrong right time yet. And then there's all the other stuff, which is that God is working all things sovereignly across the entire universe in a network of decisions that would be impossible to explain to you. So He just leaves you where you are, believing that you're going to just trust Him in the gap. There are literally thousands of reasons why God may not have answered your prayers yet, but it is not because God doesn't care. And it is not because God is not real. And it is not because He doesn't have the power. And the reason why we know this is true is because of the gospel. See, the gospel settles all of this. We know that God cares because He sent Jesus from heaven to earth to pay the penalty for our sins. We know that Jesus really did die on the cross. And you can look up any history book, whether it's religious or secular, and it won't make a difference, you'll know that there was a man that they called Jesus that died on the cross. Those things are confirmed. And then after that, there is witness after witness that people would have interviewed at the time that said that he resurrected from the dead. And so we know that he cared. We know that he really died and that he was a real person. And we know that he resurrected from the dead. And so my point is that the gospel settles all of that. And you don't have to wonder anymore if any of those things are true. See, there might be a gap between your request and the answer that you get, but the, the lie that the enemy will always try to sell to you is that God is far and distant, but the gospel took care of that too. 
There's actually nothing in all creation that could separate you from the love of God that's found in Christ Jesus. If you are found in Christ Jesus and you are not far from God tonight, and even if you've made lots of mistakes and you've screwed up, but you know Jesus, you, He is closer than hands and feet and you don't have to give that a second thought. So Jesus is speaking to His disciples and He's teaching them how to pray. And you know what He says? He says, this is what you do, guys. You prayed and you've asked and so you keep knocking. So you didn't get an answer straight away? You didn't hear anything that came from within? What do you do? Keep knocking. See, remember how I, I told you that a parable has one point? It's not lots of points. We're not trying to figure out the multi-layered things that God was trying to communicate in this story as He was explaining it to the disciples with some deep uh, like meaning that we cannot find or fathom. It was actually very, very simple. There was only ever one point. And his point was not that if you pray to God, that oftentimes he's sleeping. That was the whole point of the parable. There are going to be times when you pray, God, I really need you right now. And he's like, go away, I'm tired. That was not the point of the story. Oh my gosh. Did you think that was the point? Did you think that was the point? You think that that what he was trying to teach you? That when you knock, he doesn't care? You thought that that was the point? That's not the point. The point that Jesus was trying to make was not that God doesn't care and not that God is sleepy. Imagine if that was the point. He says he, he just wanted the disciples to know that God is good and he's loving, but you catch him before 7 a.m. and he's terrible because <laughs> he didn't get a good sleep last night. And you know God needs his sleep. He needs to be in a good mood to answer you with good things. My gosh, that was not the point of this parable. There was only ever one point that he was trying to make. And the point was, if you keep knocking, he'll get up. In fact, this is what he says in, in, in the Greek. It says there was this uh, word that you would have read there. He says, because of your impudence. And the word impudence means a lack of sensitivity to what is proper. To what is proper, to what is expected. And his point is, if you boldly, unashamedly keep telling God what you need and you keep praying and you keep going to Him. He's going to get up. He's going to answer your prayer. I mean, picture the scene that Jesus is trying to paint for the disciples. It's midnight. Everyone's sleeping. It's a small village and somebody comes at midnight. The friend has nothing to offer. So he gets up and he goes to his neighbor and he begins to knock on the door of his neighbor. Now, he has to wait for the neighbor to answer. Meanwhile, this guy across the street hears the knocking. He looks out his window and he's like, Hey, what are you doing, man? It's midnight. And he's like, just um, I'm just getting some bread. Just needed a loaf of bread. What do you need bread for? Because someone came to my house and I had nothing to serve them. And because I don't have anything, I've got to see if he's got something. It's like, well, shut up because you're waking everyone up. Meanwhile, somebody comes, someone else comes out to the street. Hey, what's going on out of here? It's like, well, he's knocking on the door and waking up. My kids got up. You know how hard to get them back to sleep. And, and, and he's waking everyone up. And so this other person starts to speak as well. Shh, just shut up. 
Get back into your house. I don't care if you don't have bread. That's your problem. Just deal with it yourself. See, the enemy would love for you to deal with your problems all by yourself. So you'll hear the voices of opposition in the streets saying, shut up, stop praying, stop speaking, stop knocking, just give up. Go back to your own house and deal with your own problems. But you already know that there are a whole host of problems that you need the presence and the power of God for. So you got to knock and that's why he says because of your impudence, because there is this unashamedly bold knocking that continues to happen. And that's when you start to say, hey, I know what you say. You say that I should quit praying right now, but I don't care because I need breakthrough more than I need to please you. So I'm going to keep knocking until I start to get some breakthrough. You can say what you want. I don't care. I'm here for some breakthrough moments that I need it in my life. That's the point is that you keep praying. And so here's what you, you got to understand that God, He actually wants you to keep knocking. Maybe it's that very thing that God is trying to develop inside of you. There's some tenacity. And so this is how He finishes it. He says, if you seek, you'll find. And if you knock, the door will be open to you. Why do you think He finished with that? Maybe He thought... Man, I've taught these guys a couple of times and they missed the whole point. So I'm just going to say it, you know, as clearly as I can. I gave you the parable. You didn't get it. All right, here it is. Keep knocking and seeking and you'll find and the door will be opened for you. I'm just going to make it real simple for you. Don't quit praying. And so here's what you got to do. You, spiritually speaking, you start to push. You start to push against the opposition that you experience. You don't have to just deal with it. A lot of the stuff that you're dealing with might be things that you can't change on your own. So you've got to just start to push. You know what pushing is? Pushing is praying until something happens. That's what you do. You just push. It's like, I I, I get what's happening here. It's just that, I'm not going to quit pushing until I begin to see some breakthrough in the devil. The devil knows this. He understands this. So he can't, he knows that he can't stop you from knocking and knocking by the way is how you get breakthrough. So he'll simply try to demoralize you so that he can reposition you because if he can take you out of that place of position for breakthrough and you quit and you give up and you walk away, you may never experience the breakthrough that God wanted to really bring into your life. Don't ever let the enemy reposition you. See, when you pray, this is what I think about prayer. That prayer is invisible progress. It's what it is. See, I told you that there are things sometimes that are not happening physically, but spiritually things are shifting. And if you could... If you could see this, you, you, you start to pray and you don't always see things happen in the physical realm immediately. But here's what's happening spiritually. Your prayers are beginning to stack and they're stacking up higher and higher. But you don't see this. 
This is why people stop praying about stuff because they don't see that. Man, I wish you could see it. I wish you could see this. I wish you could see your progress when you begin to pray. If you could only see what was spiritually stacking, that might shift your prayer life completely because you would see that spiritually things are actually stacking up and there is going to be a result, but physically you can't see it, so you quit. I wish you could see what was spiritually happening when you began to speak to your Creator, the Lord God Almighty, that might shift your entire prayer life because you'd say, I see. I know I haven't seen it physically, but I, I know that spiritually things are beginning to change. Things are beginning to shift. You know, there are so many times where the Bible says, keep sowing. Don't quit. Because in due season, you will reap if you do not give up. But it always says due season. What's that? I don't know. I have no idea. It's, that's a Kairos moment. That is a divinely appointed moment when the season is due. When, is that in a couple of months? No one knows. We don't know. We don't know when the season is due, but God does. And that's why He says, don't quit now. Keep sowing prayers in faith. Keep speaking out words in faith. Because in due season, you're actually going to reap something if you do not give up. See, when we push sometimes, here's what happens. Our prayers begin to stack and then something's going to break. Something's going to give. And, and here's how this works. Sometimes you're going to pray and God is going to shift something physically. He's going he's gonna to change your circumstances. And man, those are, those are great prayers. You know, when you, when, when you get a testimony and a story about something that was shifted, but sometimes the thing that God really wants to shift is you. And I think that one of the best breakthroughs that you can have is when God shifts you. So we got all these people that want to spiritually grow, but they also want God to say yes to every single one of their prayers. And do you get how that's a thing that doesn't work? Do you understand that? God, I want to go, but I want you to say yes to everything I ever ask you. And I never want to be in need. How do you think God begins to grow you? It's not by giving you everything you ask for. And I think that this is funny because you know what? Here's what the Scriptures say. It says that God knows that we love Him when we obey His commands, right? That's, that's one of the indicators to God that we really love Him is when we do what He says over what we want. Here's the crazy part. That's what we sometimes say to Him. I know that you love me when you obey all the requests I have. And He's like, that's the reverse of what you're supposed to be saying. But if the only way that you receive God's love and affirmation is if He does everything that you want, hate to break it to you, but you want to be God and you're not God. So He's going to use your circumstances to begin to shift. And I think that brings great breakthrough. And I'll tell you what happens. It begins to break patterns of thinking that the people have had in their minds. You know, when you repeat a pattern of thought, we have a word for that and we call it a stronghold. And it's a place that you can't break out of. And so what some people do is they say, the only way for God to be real and to know that He cares is if He does this one little thing and we try to put Him in a box. But I'm telling you right now, God doesn't want to be put in that box. And what He really wants for you is not to say yes to everything, but He wants you to honestly experience freedom. 
and to know what it's like so He doesn't give you everything that you ask for. See, what you got to do is just start to push. Keep praying. When you pray, some things are going to be broken off in your life. Sometimes the things are going to be physical. Sometimes the things that shift and change are going to be you. But remember this, you cannot schedule a breakthrough. But you can position yourself by praying for it. That's how you get it. That's how you get it. You keep praying. Don't let the devil shift you out of position where you're ready to quit and give up because you didn't get what you wanted in the time that you requested it to be done. Stay back, get back into position. I feel like for some people here tonight, you've got to get back into position. God may want to actually do something in your life, but you've got to get back into position. Why don't you do this for a minute? I just want you to close your eyes. Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.